morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and descended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, May 5th, we are studying 3 John. In today's text, St. John writes to the beloved Gaius to encourage him to support the brothers who have come to him, for these brothers are fellow workers in the truth. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair. Pastor Boisclair serves as interim pastor of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Hey, it's great to be here. We get to read an entire book of the Bible today, Pastor. Wow! Uh, that's 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 wonderful that when we can do that. That is fantastic. So we're looking at Third John this morning, and Third John again. We're reading the whole book today, so there's no context from the epistle itself that we need to look at what came before, what came after. But just thinking about John as an author in the scriptures, you know, we've been reading his gospel, his first two epistles. Today we're picking up number three. What should we know about any context that those writings from St. John provide that'll help us with this text for today? Well, we know that uh, he um, sort of, uh, his missionary work would was took him to Asia Minor, or what we would say is Western Turkey, um, in, in which is Ionian Greece, uh, like in the city of Ephesus and so on. There, and, you know, he was exiled on the island of Patmos during that time. And and so he, and it seemed as if he was working with the congregations. The there was a seven congregations that were located there. From you know we know that from Revelation. Um, he, uh, it, it, of course, in, in in the course of his ministry there, of course, he had to interact with um, <clears throat> certain um, persons who were errorists like um, Serinthus and and others, and. Um, you know, basically, he's he's maybe in a sense doing a ministry of of supervision, like like a bishop, you might say. Obviously, he's an apostolic bishop, being an apostle. Hmm. All right, so we have that background for this third epistle, third John. Let's go ahead and look at the text. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. For I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So, if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. 
and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. That's our text for today. That is 3 John, 15 verses long. Pastor Boisclair, as we get started, John identifies himself here. He doesn't name himself, but he calls himself the elder. What does that indicate to us about St. John? Why does he call himself the elder here? That that's kind of the um the general name of a person who is and holding the office of the holy ministry is an is a presbyter. That's uh that's the word that's used there. And and they were at the time of of the apostles um equal with uh the episcopoi, the bishops, and 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 you know, in a sense it's just kind of a they they all hold the office of the ministry and they and it just has different um their their call of course you know has them doing different things in his kingdom and so um of course you might have there a connotation of of the fact that uh the apostle john is is elderly uh he lived uh from you know from the time of our lord being on earth in the in the 30s a.d uh, uh, down to, uh, 100 AD. So, so he was, he was quite an elderly man. Uh, we, we know from tradition that he would be brought into, uh, the, uh, meetings of the congregations, uh, you know, carried, he would have to be carried because he was unable to walk. Um, and, um, you know, so, so there's not only this connotation that he was uh, doing, the work of a pastor or, you know, a person who is a member of the uh, office of the Holy Ministry and and also as as a um, a father in the faith. Mm. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this in the show on Second John, which was yesterday, that he is the elder. I mean, he, he really is the one, this is the, in all likelihood, he writes this as the only apostle left living. So he is the elder. Uh, commanding great respect, certainly within the churches. When when John is there, you you listen, and he he writes now to his beloved Gaius uh, as the elder. And yet at the same time, we talked a little bit about this also that there's there's comfort to us as pastors still to hear John the apostle, the beloved disciple of Jesus. He still is content to identify himself as the elder, as as a a fellow pastor, as Peter would say in his first epistle, and, and to know that this is the same office that that John was an elder a pastor in the church and there are still pastors in the church I think provide great provides great comfort to pastors and also to the whole church to know that the preaching that Christ gave to his church through the apostles does still continue in that office of of pastor even though I know I don't count myself worthy to stand next to John I mean to know that it is that same preaching that he delivered once to the saints still delivered today I think is a great comfort to the church Oh yes, I think you've expressed that very well. It's interesting that Martin Luther, uh, in in, a, in his beautiful commentary on Psalm 110, points out that our Lord Jesus um, 
considered himself in the office of the holy ministry, and he, of course, placed his holy apostles into that office as well, and 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 of course was the is the mentor or example that they were to follow. Uh, you know, like the the if, as read uh, the Gospels, we see that you know basically how the Lord Jesus conducted his ministry is is a model for us even today. And as you said, there is that continuity. Uh, you know, the office of the ministry. There is only one office of the holy ministry: the the uh, proclamation of the God the law and gospel, the word of God, and the administration of the sacraments that were instituted by our Lord. And um, there, but there are different calls uh, that, and, and different uh, forms of that one office. Uh, you know, it may be a supervision of, of the uh, mission and ministry of a congregation. It may be uh, preaching and teaching, you know, as it, it, we see in the word, it says, especially, uh, you know, give consideration or, or um, a compensation to those who um, work at preaching and teaching. Um, and um, so, so it's, there's just one office, but then there are many forms of that office. And, uh, and of course, uh, in the church, and especially in the history of the church, the apostles, of course, had quite a high uh, position in that office. And so here, and here you have, in other words, uh, for this area, the gospel had been planted by, by John and by Paul and, and uh, Peter and others. And, and so now he's, he's taken in hand to um, serve the uh, congregations that had been established. Now here, John, as the elder, writes to the beloved Gaius, uh, and it says, whom I love in the truth. It's, and then he says, beloved. So he clearly distinguishes Gaius as one who is beloved by John, which is nothing unusual. John, in his first epistle, regularly spoke to those reading as the beloved. The previous epistle, Second John, it was the elder to the elect lady and her children, which we talked about is likely he's writing to the, the congregation, to Christians there. This one does seem to be addressed, again, to this individual. Do we know anything about this individual other than what we find out here in this epistle? Well, the the name Gaius is quite um, is quite common. In fact, there was an emperor of Rome. Uh, Caligula was his name was Gaius, so he was called the Emperor Gaius. Um, and uh, there are there are that name, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, you know, in when he was doing his second missionary journey, I think encountered a Gaius and took one along with him in, as he went. So. Um, at least from my study, uh, I have not not seen any anything specifically about that. I, I'm I'm guessing since John's um, work was in uh, near Ephesus and sort of around there that that he it seems as if he wasn't not a um, a pastor or you know in the in the ministry, but he was probably maybe someone who had a uh, congregation in his home. So it's, it's like he's he's a, um, you know, he says, mine ho- Gaius, my host. I, I think there that's that's what in in uh, Paul's epistles uh, he speaks of. But I don't know whether that would be the same Gaius. And, and Gaius is a common name. Right, right. So he does seem to be some sort of leader, perhaps, within the, the congregation to whom John is writing. And one that John loves, as he mentioned several times, in verse 2, John says that he is praying for Gaius. First, he prays that all would go well and that he'd be in good health, as also is 
your soul. So talk about this dual prayer that, that John has for Gaius, both in terms of, it sounds like his physical health and his spiritual health. It sounds like both of those things are involved in his praying for Gaius. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we can see in our own uh, work and, and, and life in the congregation that it, it's always it's always a blessing to have uh, the strength of body uh, so we can uh, get around to um, uh, ministering to others in, in the Lord. And and then, of course, uh, obviously most and then and then but what is primary and important is is our uh, how our soul soul life is and as it says it so it's so he's he's concerned both about that he's you know it's it's very rigorous especially considering the fact that the church was under persecution at this time and not only from uh the jews but also from uh uh, at, and, you know, much later, well, after Nero, so this was like long after Nero, but there was uh, also the government was uh, persecuting the church. So, you know, it, it's you just have to be very nimble and you have to be very, um, uh, you have a good, you know, a physical constitution to be able to, um, you know, persevere in doing the Lord's work. I think this prayer that John offers in verse 2 of this epistle puts into practice what he wrote quite a bit about in the first epistle, where he talks about loving the brothers, and that love includes both caring about what they believe, making sure that they believe the truth as God has given it through his son, but also caring about their physical health. If you have the word world's goods and you see your brother in need, you should give those things to him. And so John here, I think, exemplifies for us the love that Christians should have for each other, which is a love that cares both for each other's physical health and each other's spiritual health. And I think, I mean, I know as a pastor, both of those things are, are regularly a part of, of the ministry that God has given. And in the Christian congregation as a whole, when you think about the ways that we pray for each other as Christians, to be concerned both about physical and spiritual health is is very much a part of our life together in a Christian congregation. I think uh, that's that's so very true. And that's the that's the example that our precious savior gives in, you know, his healing of, of people and his visiting of people in their affliction. Um, you know, the, um, uh, la- the gospel for last Sunday, uh, where the, there are the two uh, disciples that are going to Emmaus and, and, and that it, it, it just, you're just touched by how Jesus is really concerned about them and asks some questions and, and goes along with them, but he doesn't force himself on them. And, and so in the same way that, that, that you know, people, well, by the grace of God, should see that we as Christians are, are really con- genuinely concerned about the welfare, maybe, maybe even of folks that maybe we don't care too much for, like in, in leaving us as a circle of friends, but uh, that, that we all, by the grace of God, love deeply from the heart. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one thing to mention is that that was kind of the last sort of ministry that John, when John would be carried into uh, the fellowship uh, in the congregations that he uh, attended, that he, he was simply always saying, love one another, love one another. That was, that was kind of his final message in his life. As John continues in this epistle, he talks about the joy that he had when he heard about Gaius. Brothers came and testified to the truth that Gaius was holding on to, and, and John says that he has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. Talk about this. Well, 
what does it mean to walk in the truth and talk about the joy that John has as he sees his children walking in that truth? Yes. And, and the, the truth, of course, is to understand the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that uh, we are saved solely by his grace, by his uh, uh, work of redemption, uh, that we are, and, and then in, in, in all of this, in walking in the truth or in living in the truth, it's something, of course, that the Holy Spirit uh, provides for us through uh, the gospel and and uh, and the sacraments, and and in the, and in, in this particular case, it's it's like uh, continuing to have the God-given understanding of of um, spiritual life, spiritual teaching, um, because at least as John can testify, there is a lot of uh, false belief and false teaching that's that's going on at the time and 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 i think this is like a word of encouragement you know as pastors uh or as fellow christians we should encourage uh folk and you know not not be so critical of them at times but but to just say you know where where we can see that they're really progressing in in a in a um god-pleasing manner uh that we we say hey this is this is really really doing well you know continue uh continue in this and in and this is your uh life in christ and so and so it's kind of like um and, and it and it what it what the neat thing is that the lord gives us a true joy when when uh folks that we uh know and love are are um really have they really know christ in in the manner in which they should according to his word and and so I, I'm just it it just really is exciting uh, to see that and John I guess is by the grace of the Holy Spirit has that gift of of exhortation uh, in order to be able to encourage his fellow believers. Mm, yeah, and this is the joy that certainly is John's as a pastor. I know pastors often get to experience this joy of of seeing those that they have taught continue to walk in that truth. But this is the joy that every Christian has, being a part of a congregation of people who are walking together in this truth. It truly is joy to see that. What a great encouragement that is when we see a fellow Christian walking in that truth, putting that truth that we hear together into practice in their lives, that I think encourages us as fellow Christians to do that same thing. And so this is a, a true joy that our Lord Jesus gives to us in the fellowship of his church to walk in the truth together, to see each other walking in truth, a joy for pastors and people alike. Now, one of the ways that John sees Gaius walking in the truth is the way that he has treated these brothers. So in, in verse 5, he starts talking about this, and, and this seems to be one of the primary topics for the for this short epistle. He says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So uh, help me just to make sure I've got this clear, Pastor Boyce Claire. It sounds like Gaius has received some Christians into the congregation or he received them as, as visitors in the congregation, perhaps, that he didn't know who they were before, but he received them because they were fellow Christians in a, and, and supported them physically. Is that kind of what's going on here with, with John and Gaius as he's writing? I, I, I would see that that's part of it, but I would, I would see that uh, he, he would recognize them as um, 
as faithful uh, believers, uh, you know, a lot of times I was I was going to mention in connection with the, what we were talking about before. We we know uh, maybe some fellow Christians that may have they differ with us. You know, a lot of times. Uh, Christians can differ from each other. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of sad sometimes when, when we see there might be a misunderstanding on their part or maybe not, not a um, clear understanding of what God's Word is. But in this case, um, he obviously recognizes uh, them. They could be um, uh, persons that are uh, sharing the gospel with others. So they, they need a place, a kind of a place to stay. I mean, they didn't have any holiday inns or, or um, um, in any um, hotels or motels in those days that, that basically you, you uh, trusted in the, um, uh, the hospitality of strangers. And that's why, you know, we're, we're admonished uh, not to um, in Hebrews, you know, that we're not we're we're always to show hospitality, but especially to those who are perhaps uh, going from place to place and sharing the gospel, you know, in the time this time of it was sort of like a time of missionary endeavor uh, in the church, and uh, in in this particular case, it's uh, you know again you know, obviously Gaius had a right understanding. He has a right understanding of the teaching of his Lord and also the the love of the Lord. And he wants to uh, support the ministry of, uh, you know, spreading the gospel throughout the empire. Right. And, and the fact that they are fellow Christians who speak the same truth that Gaius has been taught to speak from John, that John speaks as well, that is why he receives them as brothers even though they're strangers, they don't know each other, it seems, up to this point. You know, as, as you and I are recording, we're right in the, in the week of call day at both of our seminaries, and it strikes me that, that call day can be very similar to what's being, I think, can be very dissimilar to what's being described here, that a, a congregation hears a pastor's name called, and then they hear their name called, and they don't know who this person is, but they know that he has been taught in the truth of God's word that their congregation confesses, and they know that he will come and teach that truth of God's word. And so even though he is a stranger at that moment and may remain a stranger for, for a time, they receive him as their brother, as their, as their shepherd. And I think, that's a, a, I think that's a pretty good example of this, what John is talking about here, still happening in the church today. Yes, and and you know if if um, in, in this case, I mean you have uh, fellow Christians um, like in in the church uh, in in the and then of course the larger uh, fellowship or the larger arrangement of the of the church uh, in in the world that uh, you have um, those who are approved uh, uh, to God uh, to um, uh, you know uh, instruct Christians or instruct those who will. Be entering the office of the ministry, so that that if they um, understanding and 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 of course being in fellowship with them, that if they uh, approve or they recommend someone, then then we then we can be uh, sure that they are um, you know the, our fellow believers and also uh, fellow workers in in the gospel. And I think I think that's a a beautiful example of of what of what is going on. Yes, uh, though we don't know them, we we. Uh, you know, they are known to uh, our, our maybe leaders in the Lord that that uh, can can give a give, give a testimony of how how they are. 
Right. And, and all of that, those, that testimony that the leaders give to those who are called, all of that is centered on the teaching, which I think is, you know, that's what John has reminded Gaius already in this short epistle of the importance of walking in the truth. And it is that truth that enables us to receive brothers truly, so that, that what's happening here, as John is describing and commending Gaius for what he's done, this isn't just, well, that's the hospitality that was practiced in the ancient world. There was a, a form of hospitality that would have been practiced, but what John's describing here is something more, something different, something better, a hospitality that exists because we recognize each other as brothers in Christ. And the way that we recognize each other as brothers in Christ is through that truth that is proclaimed. If, if this person comes and proclaims the truth that I know from the scriptures, from the word of God, then I can receive that person as a brother in Christ with great joy, even if I've never met that person before. And that is a, a wonderful thing to experience within the fellowship of the Christian church. And again, not only for pastors and congregations, but just Christians in general. It's always a, I mean, you, you know how it goes in the, especially in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, Pastor Boyce Claire, where usually you can find a couple of degrees of separation and, and you find people that you both know when you meet a fellow Lutheran. And that's just a really joy to have that, that connection, that fellowship within the Christian church. But again, it all goes back to not good feelings or, you know, you look like me or something like that. It goes back to, we share in the truth of God's word. Yeah, and and the other thing is that this is a uh, something that is, or you know you know as as a matter of course you know do not receive those who do not bring this doctrine with you, uh, you know those who uh, you know I mean there there are those uh, that are out there going from house to house uh, that deny the doctrine of that our Lord Jesus is true in eternal God as well as true man, um, and and believe in the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. And, 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 and they are instructed by uh, the apostles that they are not to receive formally such folks that uh, do not, are not teaching in accordance with the uh, pattern of sound words uh, to, to the uh, proper teaching of the gospel. Mm, that's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a little bit of that in this epistle here in Third John, but we're going to pick up more of that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking about 3 John this morning with Pastor David Boisclair. We will be right back. Please stick around. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, May 5th. We're studying 3rd John with Pastor David Boisclair. He serves as interim pastor of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. 
Pastor Boyce Claire, prior to the break, we were talking about the way that Gaius has received these brothers, even though they were strangers. He knew them as brothers because of their teaching of the truth, and he has shown them appropriate love in receiving them. John commends him for that and then says, go ahead and send them on their journey in that same manner. It's good that we support them in this. And and in, John says in verse 7, they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. As I read those two verses, verses 7 and 8 especially, I'm reminded of the way that Jesus speaks to his disciples when he sends them out in the Gospels. And he tells them which house to go into and to receive support from, that they should receive support from those who receive the message of peace that they bring. And and not, and I guess that's where they get their support from, not from unbelievers. It sounds like John is saying something similar here. We need to support them because we are fellow Christians. They're not receiving their support from un, the unbelieving world. That That's what it sounds like he's talking about. I think I- exactly right. Um it's uh, in this particular case, uh, you know, it, it, you have to go to your fellow believers that, um, you know, have everything understood as to as to what is going on, because uh, those who are not in the faith uh, might uh, use use them or use the teaching or whatever for other reasons. Uh, the Apostle Paul in in the beginning of uh, Philippians say that uh, there there there's some there that that have it in for him and that they're preaching about Christ or speaking about Christ in order to get him into trouble, uh, and and the Apostle Paul says, well, uh, it's 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 wonderful the word is getting out, but on the other hand, uh, there there is a there's a danger for those who are unbelievers that they would use uh, Christians and uh, the faith. Uh, in a way that the Lord does not intend it to be used. That's right. So uh, talk talk more about, in, in terms of the support that John commends to Gaius here for these workers, uh, talk generally about the way that, that Christians should support those who proclaim the gospel. Why is that an important thing for Christian congregations to support those who proclaim the gospel? Yes, uh, and, and, and especially now in our day and age, uh, it, it appears like, even in in the Missouri our Missouri Synod is that there there's sometimes not the the resources uh, prices and costs for living in our world have, have skyrocketed and um, and and like uh, you know you it's very difficult to um, uh, devote yourself to the Word of God and prayer or to um, uh, you know, sharing the the gospel with others. So obviously, there needs to be uh, a faithfulness in in uh, devoting uh, money, you know, and in, in sacrificially to giving for the uh, mission of the church and for, for the support of missionaries and the support of the and of course to the pastor. Um, and 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 this, of course, is a you know a, a constant theme in in Paul's epistles where they are to support those who labor among them uh and that's kind of the that's kind of the idea as those who are supported in the office of the ministry is is what the congregation does is it provides for the um uh, physical needs of their pastors so that they don't have to be concerned with um 
you know, maybe going outside of what they're supposed to do in terms of ministry and, and uh, you know, a second job or a third job, in other words, to support themselves and their families, but that they can be freed up so that they can uh, devote themselves to the ministry of the word. And so in this, in this particular case, it's, that's part of that point. Also, it, you know, encouraging them, praying for them is so very important. I think that uh, our, we cannot stress too much to our people and in our practice of uh, the ministry of God that we, we uh, turn to him in prayer for those who are uh, doing his work. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point and a, and a very important way that we do support those who do the work of proclaiming the gospel. And the way that John phrases it there in, in verse 8, I think, is very significant that as we do this support for people like these, both in prayer, financially, and in other ways, however we support them, we are then fellow workers for the truth, that this is part of the way that even if we are not the ones who are opening our mouths to speak the word at a particular moment in time, by our support of these workers, we become fellow workers with them. And I think it's just a wonderful comfort to us, especially, as you mentioned, in our prayers. You know, as, as, as we get older as Christians, sometimes we, we wonder, Lord, what, what am I to do? How can I serve? And we should never underestimate the prayers that are, you know, that those who are Christians in nursing homes or are Christians in, and they become shut-ins, the prayers that they offer are, are just as important in the work of the gospel as, as the work that any Christian does. And, and so we are joined together as fellow workers in the gospel through this support of those who are proclaiming. I think that's a, a wonderful comfort to us again. And, and just, again, speaking to the, the great importance of our work together as a church for the sake of the gospel. And, and, and it's so comforting, as you mentioned, they are fellow workers, you know, simply by praying for uh, the work uh, and for the worker in, 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 in pursuance of that work. Uh, by, you know, in a sense, they share in the, the task and, and doing the Lord's work by by their uh, you know their financial support, by their moral, what we say moral support, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, persons uh, to continue in well-doing and and and, and teaching the truth, uh, you know, and, and showing, you know, I, I kind of noticed that in my in my work as as uh, interim pastor, that uh, you know there are there are some in the congregation that want to take me out to dinner uh, here and here and there, and I and sometimes I say, well, let me let me take care of this one this time, you know, and they say, no, we 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 have such a high regard for the office of the holy ministry of our Lord that we we would like to uh, always, uh, you know. Pay, pay the minister's tap. <laughs> you know, of course, that's not something that should be expected. Uh, but I, I, I just really am, 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 you know, encouraged and, 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 and enraptured by the fact that, that there, that our fellow believers out there that, that really treasure and value the preaching of the word and, and want to support it in every possible way. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm reminded of the the hymn "Hark the Voice of Jesus Crying," number eight hundred twenty six in Lutheran Service Book, and the the third stanza there says, "If you cannot be a watchman standing high on Zion's wall, pointing out the path to heaven, offering life and peace to all, with your prayers and with your bounties, you can do what God commands. You can be like faithful Aaron, holding up the prophet's hands." I think that that stanza 
captures kind of what we're talking about, the the way that in our prayers and support of those who proclaim the gospel, we become fellow workers with them. And that is a, a valuable thing in God's sight, an important thing that we do within the kingdom of God. As we pray, thy kingdom come, we should expect these opportunities so that God's kingdom would continue to come among us through the preaching of the word. So John writes this encouragement to Gaius. In verse 9, he continues, he says, I have written something to the church. And as I as I read that, I kind of wonder, maybe he's talking about perhaps First John. Like, I've, I've written this. But then he says, but someone else, Diotrephes who likes to put himself first does not acknowledge our authority. So there's a there's someone within this congregation or just outside the congregation perhaps, maybe he's come out of the congregation as John says in his first epistle. Diotrephes likes to put himself first and doesn't acknowledge the authority that John has and the apostles have. I talk about this Diotrephes, maybe we don't know too much about him particularly other than what we read, but the the nature of false teaching and opposition to the truth, talk about the way that plays into this epistle. Yes, uh, you know, and 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 maybe um, in your ministry and mine, uh, we've encountered uh, persons like that. Um, they, in, you know, in this particular case, who might it have been a pastor of a congregation? I, I almost don't think so. Maybe he's kind of a lay leader, maybe in the congregation, who. Um, uh, is uh, you know I, I remember some some folks uh, and this people may encounter this is because they they give a lot uh, in the offering plate uh, Sunday by Sunday that they almost think they own the congregation um, and uh, in this particular case this is this is some self-important individual uh, obviously is not conducting himself in the manner in which our Lord says you know to love one another as He has loved us and and that the greatest among us is to be the servant of all. And uh, obviously, uh, Diotrephes is not, uh, does not have a concept of a servant uh, role of, a, of the Christian. Uh, he puts himself first. And then, and then the fact that he does not acknowledge the apostolic authority uh, is, is, uh, show, points out that he, he is not uh, faithful to the uh, you know the word, this pattern of sound words, or the teaching of the apostles. Uh, so, and, and I mean, you know, it, uh, some things like this come up, and 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 you obviously know the source that it comes from the devil himself. And so, and and Diotrephes, it doesn't say specifically that he's, uh, you know, his error, and and you know the error uh, in the church, in the early church, and in the scriptures by the naming of the person. You know, that's how the church basically said, well, what type of error is it? Well, it's the error of Diotrephes, or it's the airy, er, error of Arius, or something like that. And, 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 but in this case, it's, it seems as if it's, it's someone who, uh, is, um, pushing himself into the center of the congregation and, and, uh, just kind of being the dictator. Mm, yeah, so we find out more about Diotrephes in the next verse, in verse 10. John says, if he comes, he's going to talk to him about this. He's going to bring this up because Diotrephes is talking wicked nonsense against us. And not only that, but he's refusing to welcome the brothers. So whatever specific false teaching Diotrephes liked, the way that John identifies it here is that he refused to receive those who brought the truth. So it, you know, and we know from First John. I mean, John talks about a couple of errors that were were coming up in First John, whether people were saying denying the divinity of Christ or de- denying the humanity of Christ. Here, Diotrephes is refusing to receive those who bring the truth, 
and is actually putting them out of the church or, or trying to put out people who want to welcome them, these also are signs that Diotrephes is, is not— re- is not holding to that truth. He's not, as Gaius says, Diotrephes is not walking in the truth. Exactly. He may be, um, you know, the, in First John, uh, he speaks about the Antichrists, not not the an, the the Antichrist, but the Antichrists uh, that have been among, you know, are in the fellowship, the outward fellowship of the congregation, or they may have been true believers in the, in the congregation, but they, they, they came from us, but they are, were not of us, or they're not obviously not of us now. And in this particular case, uh, you know, he, he kind of fits the description of an antichrist. Mm, Right. And again, we don't have a specific identification of his teaching here, but the fact that he is refusing to welcome the brothers that Gaius has welcomed, and we know that these brothers are speaking the truth, that identifies Diotrephes as one who is holding on to false teaching. And so John promises that if he comes, he will bring this up. He will, he will deal with the matter. John then from that instructs Gaius, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Talk about the instruction that John gives in verse 11 of this epistle. Um, As as the Lord says, you will know them by their fruits. Um, In in this particular case is is that those, those who have been regenerated by the power of God's Holy Spirit through holy baptism and and the word, preaching of the word will will um uh delight to do uh, you know what the lord wants and of course uh the commandment is to love one another um and then you know if you you know a lot of times um when when you are in, interacting with your fellow christians you might find some of them have you know habits that are not very good um, you know, obviously, Diotrephes is is an example of someone who is is uh, imitating evil, uh, doing what is evil, uh, and and in in a sense, it's if this person is a Christian, then then they're not going to act like the people of the world, um, and and as as John is saying here is that 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 person has been reborn, uh, but if they are are if they're doing evil, they they are, um, you know, at least the, you have the suspicion that they are not uh, true believers from God. The Apostle Paul says, you know, you can't, you can't dissociate yourself from all evil people, or, you know, then you'd have to be outside the world. And, and again, even as Christians, we are sinners, and we, uh, you know, the, if we say we have no sin, uh, you know, we deceive ourselves. But in this particular case, it's saying, you know, I mean, you have to kind of be on the lookout if, if uh, someone that perhaps you suspect may not be following the Lord that, um, you know, to see, see if they are, that there is the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that in them and, and love, joy, peace, and patience and kindness, and that there's not the works of the flesh that are going on, this, uh, you know, anger and hatred and so on, what Diotrephes is up to. Right. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the fruit of the Spirit, because I think that's important in a verse like this, where John says, don't imitate evil, imitate good. It's important to keep those words, evil and good, defined as they are for us in the Scriptures. And so the very specific ways that the Spirit works in us, the fruit of the Spirit, as opposed to the, the works of the flesh, that is a reminder of, of what it means to do what is good or to do what is evil. We don't 
give our own definitions of those words, but we let God define them, and then we seek to follow after his will to do those good things that God has commanded from for us in his word. And I think above all else here in the context of Third John and the rest of the things that John writes in his epistles, to, to do good above all else is to hold on to the truth, to walk in that truth, uh, to teach truly who Jesus is and what he has done, and then the good works flow from that truth. Again, I think that keeps it in context of, of all the things we've read from John over the, the course of these epistles. Yes, and 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 what it, what is interesting here is that uh, you, you know it, it from the witness, and when I'm speaking about the uh, you know sharing of their faith and 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 um, you know maybe their conversation, um, you know a lot of times uh, one of the things we need to uh, warn one another about is to um, maybe use colorful language. <laughs> As I, I would say, colorful language. Uh, a lot of times, uh, if people are a little bit too free with uh, maybe using uh, the type of the type of language that that's used by people that are not Christians, that uh, you know, then then you you kind of confuse people, and well, and and also you can can create an offense to them. Um, you say, "Oh, my 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 dear brother here is using that word or or that type of expression, or talking about stuff like that, or jesting, uh, or joking about stuff like that." You know, they're 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 really not showing that they're in Christ. Hmm. Now, John continues in this epistle in verse 12. He talks about now Demetrius, who has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So unlike Diotrephes, it seems Demetrius is responding to the truth, receiving those who come in truth. And so John adds his own testimony, and the testimony of, it says we, so I'm assuming other leaders in this congregation, they, they, are, they have Demetrius commended to them. Yeah, and and um, what I wanted to say about Diotrephes, you know, maybe he doesn't necessarily have a false teaching or an an error, but w- what the sin he is committing is what we would call the uh, the sin of being schismatic. Uh, that that even you know, even though there you know there are brothers and and there are faithful believers that 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 have the that teach and and live the truth by the grace of God. Uh, they they don't want to be in fellowship with them. They they kind of kick them out of the church. That's that's kind of what you would call uh, being schismatic. Uh, Demetrius, of course, uh, by the grace of God, has a has a good testimony that's given by him, and so on. And and, and you know, in a sense, it's a question of love. You know, do they do they have the love of Christ? Obviously, Diotrephes did not. Demetrius did. Now, as John brings his epistle to a conclusion, much like we heard in, in 2 John, John says he's he's got a lot to write, but he'd rather not write it. He'd rather come and talk face-to-face. Talk about this desire that John has to to be face-to-face with, with Gaius. Um, a lot of times, you know, they, uh, and nowadays we even have more media um, and ability to uh, share the gospel through that. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing to hear people on the radio or, or to see them on the Internet, um, you know, streaming and, and all of that. But uh, there, there is, in a sense, in, in the manner of fellowship among the saints and, and above those that believe in Christ, it's, it's always a joy to gather ourselves. Do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together uh, in, in the local congregation and, and, and 
and seeing one another, sometimes the uh, the blessing of of being uh, touched and and encouraged by fellow believers is is so very important. Uh, you know, even uh, you know, somewhat um, on the side there, I I thought this was probably the nicest thing I ever heard about Islam. But uh, in Islam, it says even giving someone a smile is an act of charity. Hmm. Uh, and, and so I, I think it's also true in, in our fellowship where we love one another and we, we delight to see one another, that this is, that this is part and parcel of, of our life in Christ and, and, and is so precious and so central to our worship that we are gathered together physically with one another and can see one face to face. Yeah, and I think we should, especially, for example, coming out of the pandemic, we should, hopefully that taught us to value that face-to-face interaction with our fellow Christians all the more, when for a time we were not doing that. Now I think we I think we have a better understanding and a better appreciation of just how valuable that is. And, I, you know, even, even as you mentioned, it is no doubt a blessing— to be able to communicate the word of God in ways in which we are not face to face epistles in this in the time of St John the radio the internet now those are blessings to be able to communicate the word of God in those manners and yet to see each other as Christians face to face to be together as the body of Christ physically is a great joy and i know as as one who who does a lot of communicating the word of god over a distance you know you and i are on the phone right now it is a great joy when we get to meet each other in person when i when i get to meet someone that i've spoken to over the phone many times to study the scriptures and then to see them face to face not over a computer screen but actually in the flesh together that is a great joy and and we should hold on to that as Christians. We shouldn't devalue that. And I think we should seek after it all the more, again, especially coming out of the context of a pandemic recently. Yeah. And, and you know, if we if we love each other uh, in Christ, you know, with the love that he had for us, uh, we, we want to be with each other. We like we like hanging around each other. And, and uh, you know, you want to be around people that you love. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's so precious and so powerful. You know, it's, it's sad, you know, there are folks like are in nursing homes, uh, they're, they're, they're kindly souls and, 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 and really is, it really is sad to them. You know, it, it's, it's just a, a real difficult time for them. If they're, they sort of seem separated from others. Uh, there, there's such a, you know, they, as they even say about uh, young people and, and, um, and you've, in, in your family, as you, uh, you know, have children, uh, that it, it's so precious to them in their own, um, growth and in their own, uh, nurture in the Lord that they, that they're, that they're touched and, and, and they're, and, and that they feel that they are loved and received by th- their parents and by, and by their relatives. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, bringing up those who, who are in nursing homes and can't make it to, to public worship, they, they long for that. I mean, you know, and, and what a joy it is when we are able to go then and, and bring that f- Christian community to them as a pastor, as fellow Christians, the, 
the visiting that we do for each other, seeing each other face to face. Again, this is a, an important part of our life together as Christians, and we should continue to to value it, to cherish it, and to, to hold on to it, to keep keep gathering together, as Hebrews reminds us. Keep doing these things. Don't neglect it. It is of great joy. And we see that from St. John here in his third epistle yet again. Now, he concludes in verse 15 by saying, Peace be to you. And he provides greeting from the friends. Uh, he says, the friends greet you, and then you greet the friends, every one of them. I think two things we can talk about there. Talk about the peace that is extended. And then the the here, I think normally we're thinking about like brothers and sisters greet each other. Here it's friends. So talk about that friendship that we have in Christ. Uh, obviously, it's interesting that uh, the as the Apostle Paul and, and here the Apostle John using the... Um, basically the epistolary uh form you know it's like dear dear uh john uh, sincerely yours or yours truly uh you know th- those are kind of like a formalities in writing a letter uh and and it, it, it and of course peace uh in 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 uh, hebrew is shalom uh, shalom lacha peace be with you the lord uh, used that with his apostles uh in, on easter evening uh, it, 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 there's so much that's added into that, uh, peace or shalom is all, may all good be to you, uh, good, uh, eternally, spiritually, physically. Uh, and, and, and so it's this, I, I wish you all the good and all the well and there and, and, and put into that, uh, formal, um, close of a letter is also all of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that's put into that word peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us the reconciliation. And so it's sort of saying like, peace be with you. That's always always our um, greeting of one another. And then of course, uh, you know, don't forget to say hi to, to, uh, uh, those that are in your fellowship there. We don't want them to think that we're forgetting them or, you know, be sure to greet everyone, uh, in the name of the Lord. Mm, yeah. And, and what a joy it is to greet each other in the name of the Lord, whether from a distance, but especially face to face is what, that is what John longs to. And that peace that he extends is the real peace that Christ gives to us still in word and sacraments that we share together as Christians. Pastor David Boyce Clare serves as interim pastor of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. He has been helping us today to study 3 John. Pastor Boyce Clare, thanks for being our guest today. It's such a joy. And may God's peace and and the love of Christ be with with all. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Next week, we are starting a study of the book of Revelation given to St. John. If you have questions as we prepare for that study, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. I'm looking forward to studying that scripture with you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.